Hey there, welcome to the What's Your Thing podcast, where we're all about great conversations with interesting people. That's right, I'm Brennan. And I'm Caitlin. There's something awesome about every person, a thing that makes them truly unique. We wanna know what it is about everyone, so we're asking. What's your thing? Hey everybody, welcome back. Episode 16 of the What's Your Thing podcast. Brennan, how's Florida? Unbelievable. I have not been out of country in, I haven't been to the US, I don't think since it's been since 2011. So how many years that is, and it's almost to the day, a decade since I've flown out of country. So I'm uh, being taken care of by my in-laws. They're fortunate enough to have a place in Naples, Florida, and I'm loving every minute of it. My son is attached at the hip to his mother. And he said today that he would be willing to stay in Florida with Nana and Papa and not come back to Ottawa with us. So (laughs) I feel the same way. I can send my family back and I'd be happy to live in Florida for the the next couple months. An Ontario winter or staying with uh, Nana and Pop Pop in Florida. I think your son at five years old knows where it's at. Oh, yeah. God forbid I have to take him swimming every day. That's that's the chore. You know, we go and have a blast in the pool. So it's been great. The weather's been great. Um, People have been fantastic. We've seen a lot of cool things. We were just at the Botanical Gardens, which is right around the corner, and it was absolutely majestic. And just, I swear, I was talking to my mother-in-law. I was like, if you're ever having a stressful day, just go walk through this. And it's just the most relaxing thing in the world. So yeah, okay. high, highly recommend Naples. Beautiful place. Awesome. Well, um, that's amazing. And it's just, I'm sure it's flying by. You, you know, next week you'll be back in Barhaven <laughs> talking to us. So um, I just hope you enjoy the rest of your time. And today oh. we have- yeah, um, go on. We have Exciting. a really interesting conversation, um, kind of a, a national conversation. I'd like to welcome our guest, episode 16, uh, Jennifer Hayward. She is Mati. She is a storyteller and a comedian, and she also um, works with the CBC quite often, writes a column for them, um, and she's a consultant. And what she's here to talk about today is reconciliation and the significance of reconciliation in Canada and why it's crucial for individuals to actively participate. Um, I think that this is an important conversation. Um, It leads a little bit heavy to what we've talked about before, but like Brennan, like we say, we wanna talk to everybody about everything. So Jen, welcome, thank you so much. Um, I'd love to, to go right in and I would love for you to define to our viewers what reconciliation is. Excellent. Thank you. And thank you for having me to both of you. Um, Reconciliation um, under the Truth and Reconciliation Act is really looking at the action items that came as a result um, of many inquiries. And it came after the Royal Proclamation and it came after. And it's another set of things that the government says need to be done to help Indigenous populations, to right the wrongs of the past, um, all of those things. Um, It becomes a huge government And so reconciliation to me is finding ways to right the wrong, understanding the wrongs, but it's not um, give all of us more land. It's like, it's not that it's um, under the government term, they made, I think it was 93 recommendations and they've done one of them. Uh, That's not very good. And so the idea is why not start planting seeds in everyone that reconciliation um, is a win-win situation and that's how i look at it is that canada's future is everyone's we all inherited whether we're non-indigenous or we're indigenous we have inherited what has gone on and we all have to accept that that some people did not have um 
the same opportunities and 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 we could go through all of that but but that's so well documented with residential schools and with eliminating um, culture and all of that. It's it's there, and the results are in as well. The overrepresentation in the childcare system and in you know child welfare system and in the prison system. Those things are there, and it becomes such a huge thing that everyone is like, "Yeah, that's too big." Let's wait for the government to do something. Well, they're the ones who cause the issues to start with. And if we're waiting for them to fix something, we're going to be waiting forever. Like I've seen a pothole down the street that's been there for four years. So how do we do this? And and this sort of all came, sorry, I'm just going off, but um, it all started from um, the idea to do reconciliation in this way. And it came from their September 30th, Truth and Reconciliation Day, and being on all the mums boards and just seeing people argue about orange shirts. And the focus was always on making sure their children feel included and understood. But then that was the only conversation all year that was happening. And it was making me angry. So I said, what can I do? Well, as someone who seems to have a following and I bridge corporate and culture, why don't we write and why don't we start encouraging people who want to make a difference to start planting more seeds of knowledge in them, not beat people over the head with the heaviest issues possible, profile amazing Indigenous people and give lessons that are not here to shame. And then and no matter what I'm doing in life, if I'm watching your podcast and I learn something, I'm going to say after, so what? Um, because I think with every learning we have about something, you know, what does it mean? And and so I always like to look at that, the so what? And so that's with reconciliation. That's to me what it is. It's the action part of it. So it took a long way to get there. But reconciliation to me is making a marked difference. It's not doing 21 active days of kindness. It's not planning everything out. It's learning how to look through a culturally competent lens. And when opportunities present themselves in front of you to make a difference, you do so. So is that is that then how you kind of found your way into this? It's looking at that and saying, I am someone who has a voice. People kind of listen to me. I can make a difference. So you start there. Is that what led you into well, absolutely. this? I didn't start this as, you know, like a business. I had worked for over 20. Yeah, I worked over this for 20 years in Indigenous policy. I'm a Métis woman. I worked in the prison system, in the health system, policy, 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 management. I went into the nonprofit. Uh, we, we lost our um, jobs due to funding cuts. And my husband and I, started a career company, made it go to like a million dollar company, went bankrupt, lost our house and said, all right, I'm back to myself now. And so what, this is what I meant to do. And all of the experiences I've been given weren't because I grew up Métis, meaning I didn't learn all the things I did from my dad, from my grandpa. We had a lot of you know, intergenerational issues and a lot of alcoholism and things like that. Where I was blessed is in all my work experiences, working with 134 different elders taught me I don't know anything. I walked in that job thinking I knew all the things and then they're like, all right, well, they don't even do circles in the same way we do back in, you know, um, for my elders. And so that was part of it is that this is what I know and for many, many years you know I had the Jen Hayward show I am a comedian the focus was really on me or my insatiable need for attention whatever the case may be and this is not about me this is me wanting to tell the stories of other people because of my fortunate whether someone's related to me or whether that I met them through work business or just friends there are stories to be told I mean I'm sure that's why you guys have this podcast everyone has a thing everyone has a story and those stories can impact and in this case they can break down stereotypes 
they can break down. Um, in the media, Indigenous people are presented as either like, you know, in the criminal justice system and complete poverty and issues, which happens and there's overrepresentation, or complete warriors and overcome. But there's so many people just living their lives and living lives with extra trauma, but still getting through. And the stories, and every time, there's a new story to tell. I even learned something. I learned about Dooley Nation. I knew nothing about it, but I interviewed a chief and got a story from it. And I learned about their resettlement process and how basically they had luxury, they had utopia. Then they were resettled to Churchill, um, residential school, all those things. And he happened to be of that age. And then when they were resettled back to their nation, um, all the resources have been stripped off the land. And so that's how they that nation became dependent. So it wasn't like, you know, and to learn those stories is okay, so what? And then I said to him, so what can we do? And he says, actually, we're working on some harm reduction things here. And if you know anyone who knows anything about grants and things like that to send us things. So that's the action prompt we put in the in the newsletter. And he got some referrals from that. And that's it. That's what reconciliation is. If someone knows something about helping this situation, please do it. And it doesn't take much. Well, then the next question we really like to ask is kind of, which is such this topic is so big it's usually to do with the challenges around your thing you know societal relationship laws civil educational and i i really appreciate that you said you know you have comedy you do like comedy as your as your thing do you find you you pull that in as inspiration when getting your message across and like using kind of like um it's like a bridge you know you can bring people in I, I, as to get your your message across I, I i just watch a lot of my favorite comedians they can talk about some some issues that are so deep but then they can yeah. bring that element into it that kind of like makes you appreciate it at the same time that you're like oh man this is really getting through to me did, did, does that work with you as well being a comedian it does and but what i'm very careful about what i'm so careful about and i you know if i could give anyone advice in this world is don't represent to be more than you are, less than you are, right? So sometimes being Indigenous, people want like, okay, you're Indigenous comedian. Do, you know, be like Don Bernstein, be like this person, and no, be yourself, right? And that's been the joy of watching Indigenous comedy explode across this country, right? I'm not going to do comedy. My role is I don't do comedy that's going to somehow be taken the wrong way in terms of like, I'm not going to be doing jokes about living on the res because I haven't lived on the res. And when I go um, for work or for to visit a friend, I'm a guest and I'm not there to make fun. It's like, when I go to Africa. I'll do jokes about me being a fish out of water, absolutely, because it's hilarious. And I can get those social things across. But there are people who that's what they do, right? That that's, you know, that, that they are breaking down those stereotypes. I go from my own experiences, from, but I absolutely will use humor to diffuse any situation, right? Um, so I'm not, you know, I don't do, and I think when I was younger, I certainly would have done more jokes about those things. Um, and humor can be used for, you know, to grab attention, um, to do those things. But in this regard, I actually think I'm using less of my humor and I'm using more of just like, because the profile really comes on the person. Um, however, you know, my natural way I talk is how I write. And so I think that's, you know, for the people who followed me for a long time, follow that. But I think, you know, if you follow uh, Gotland comedy and different things, you will see that and you will see it's like when people used to say, I don't want too many women on a show. They're just going to talk about the same thing. You get that with Indigenous people, too. And I'm telling you, I've been on many all Indigenous shows and you don't have the same joke twice because everyone has a different lived experience, which, again, is why we do it in the newsletter. So I absolutely will use comedy when I need to. And sometimes I park it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
so being on this journey um, for a while, what is different from where you started and where, in your opinion, does the process of reconciliation need to go? What's missing? Thank you. Um, well, part of where my passion, like I was exhausted by the time I had been finished my original policy work and things and then went into business um, for just a lot of reasons. When you're dealing with a lot of people with trauma, then the people who are working to to help other people are people working with trauma, helping other people with trauma. And you can get a lot of things called lateral violence and, you know, dysfunctional workplaces, which I found can happen anywhere, actually. Um, but so but for me, what changed it and, it and it's not a great story, but I'm going to tell it is that um, two years uh, ago, two and a half years ago, we got the call that a child that we had raised for a few years back in Saskatchewan, his foster parents had died from fentanyl poisoning. And it was a family where now since her father had died, two of her uncles had died, her mom just died. And the grandma is a friend of mine. And, and it's the clearest case, you know, and I said, we, years ago, when I started policy, years ago, I heard someone say, if we could only help the children of this generation, we could break these cycles. And here we are at age 50, and someone that I raised in my life died. Um, and so, it, it re-sparked my, what am I going to do? And and it, all the pieces of my life came together. And so that's why I'm here. And, and it, I'm always fueled by that. So what has happened is that I have seen very little change over the last time. And so I think where it needs to go is, and I have, what I have seen is allies, any movement has to come from allies. And what happens is, and we see this, whether we're dealing with people in Africa, whether we're dealing is kind of that West knows best mentality, which is what got us in the trouble to start right is a lot of people really well-intentioned people have ideas on how to fix the indigenous problem the indigenous problem not canada's problem the problem with inequities is not that it's the indigenous problem so we have to change that mindset that we're all in this together and that there is win-win and the the biggest part is breaking down and finding who those allies are to help create this movement of change because it's it's misinformation that is out there there are people who think that indigenous people want their houses so there's not been one case on record of any rent land rec um reclaiming of land, any any of that kind of uh, restoration that has taken away from, from anyone, it's either crown or money. It's not like, all right, well, you, you own that building, you're out. And that's what people are afraid of. People are afraid of a lot of things. I know people who their only experience with Indigenous people is downtown Winnipeg, which is where you're seeing a lot of the worst effects. And so they've built their stereotypes. So they need new stories. They can't just go. I mean, if you've been beaten by a gang, you know, you're going to form some opinions and they may end up being racist. So how do we educate? Well, there are other gangs. It's, you know, it doesn't help. Well, yeah, this guy has trauma. Well, you know, I'm still beat up. And so when we worked in the prison system, I think that's one of the biggest things. Elders are working to heal the men. People are working to heal the victims. And to heal Canada, it has to get the willing. So that's kind of where I like where this newsletter is going. It gets the people who want to make a difference to start with, to tell other people, hey, did you know this? It's really easy. It's not hitting us over the head with guilt and shame. Because once you get guilt and shame, you're paralyzed to do something. We all know that when we buy things at Dollarama, there's definitely children who have made some of those things, yet we still buy them. It's too big a problem. We don't know what to do break the problem down into small chunks and see where you can make a difference. And if enough people are changing perceptions on a regular basis and not telling Indigenous people what they need to do, but listening 
to where the help is being asked for, a lot of change will happen because people have been working on the same issue and arguing about the same things for years and years and years. And it's not going to get better until people stop, listen, and act where they can and where it's appropriate. So you kind of spoke to the, <laughs> the next question kind of leads into the future of your thing. And are you see that you're kind of talking about where it could go if people stopped and listened and uh, do you see that happening? Like, is it, are, are we making some progress? Um, I, I would say small progress. And I would say like all over Canada, different segments are making progress. I think sometimes government gets in the way to be honest, but um, you know, I'm seeing huge reconciliation efforts by some businesses and I'm very cynical. Um, how many people are wanting to make a difference and how many, it's like anything, like how much money for nonprofits get trickled into the community? I question everything. I don't want people to live in my brain because it's not fun sometimes because it's just the way that I, I, I am. Um, but I want people, and I don't want people to take on Jen's cause. I don't want them to take on Indigenous cause. I want them to be empowered. And if we looked at this, not just from Indigenous, but if we all started learning cross-culture and if something comes up that we don't understand, instead of getting angry or blaming or a different culture or whatever, huh, that's interesting, tell me more. And if we just started doing that, we all would be a little better. And then when you learn a little more, oh, I see this person is hurt because of these things. They don't feel listened to. Okay, instead of shaming them, calling them names, things like that, maybe someone should listen to them. It doesn't mean they're right. We had that happen at our birthday party. Somehow a debate broke out in our birthday party. Um, and I was like, how is this even possible? Because, you know, most of our friends are similar and stuff. But we had uh, two lovely Indigenous women talking to a guy who just clearly was misinformed. And it got loud, but not angry. So I just, you know, I said, hey, I normally would join in. But I said, I'm playing board games here. It's my birthday. Uh, just bring me cake. And that's all I want. And at the end, the guy left the house and he said, I've never felt more respected in a discussion because people either tell me I'm wrong and yell at me. or And I said, well, yeah, that's the teaching of respect. So when you have dialogue with a lot of Indigenous people, you're going to hear that respect. And I think if people acknowledge that, like, I don't have to think you're right to give you the space to talk. And now I don't want you to have all the space, you know, and then you have to give that respect back. If we did that on a regular basis and took those baby steps, and if Canada just did that, I mean, it's maybe utopian, uh, but we have enough. So if enough people, let's say 5,000 people are starting to read the newsletter, 5,000 more people are here listening to your podcast. And, you know, half of them say, hey, that was an interesting thing. I want to share that. That's a good thing to share. Well, isn't that better than hearing about all the crap that people think about the crap, right? It, it, it's, it's how do, you know, we clear the fog and we find the willing and it's going to still take a long time. We can't, we can't cure um, the opioid crisis. We can't cure all of these things. And none of us are experts in everything. And I think it's just walking with that respect. But again, it's listening. I'm not homeless. I don't know what it's like to be homeless. I don't, can't say this is what the homeless need. I'm going to listen to advocates and the people on the street working with the homeless or the homeless themselves. I ended up with one child who ended up being homeless and I've heard a lot of things I didn't know. It was all from watching Law and Order, right? So it's those sorts of things. And so that's where I think we could really make a difference. And I think together, things like yours, you're telling people stories, I'm telling people stories. If we're telling the good stories and the good things people are doing and everyone puts that so what at the end of it, you know, hey, I didn't just learn a thing. I can actually learn to apply the thing 
in my views and when opportunities present. And if you're open to that, that is the solution. And I think that's the solution for a lot of things. Yeah. That reminds me of, um, you know, the way people learn, they say you can't, you cannot just learn from information. You have to learn through integration at the same time, or you just won't make it to the next level. We had that happen actually in a training session we did in the prison. I call, I call the guy Bob. Well, it's his name. Uh, and we, we, we did this session um, with the other trainer and, and, and the entire time he was a pain in the butt and it was a three day session. And he was like, but, and he was like the, but, uh, you know, yeah, but like, I know why indigenous people are allowed to use a longer line than I am, but I don't think it's fair. And, and, and it was everything and it was exhausting. And then we did an interactive activity where, um, um, basically, it's about residential school. And he got so into the activity because he didn't know it was coming. And then when that he was fighting me and he was arguing with me, he's like, come on. And he was negotiating. And then he got it because of that, you know, interactivity with him. It wasn't just a story of something that happened in the past. He was like thinking, is this really what happened? Yeah, it really is what happened. You know, you can't gather. You can't, you know, the kids are going to residential school. If you fight, they were put in jail. All of these things. And, and when he experienced it, he was like, oh, <laughs> That's not good. And I guarantee you, he probably did not become a huge advocate for Indigenous people everywhere and make a huge impact. But I guarantee you, he treated Indigenous offenders with more respect. And that's a huge difference because that could make the difference in their reintegration process. And also, you know, and the way that he trains the other staff members. And now you're creating a domino effect of respect just by... absolutely. Well, kindness, if you do that, right? Anytime we do that. And that's why I want to put more stories in front of people of amazing people, like someone who owns a coffee shop. Like, that's an Indigenous person. How can we reconcile? Well, go support their their business, right? How can you support someone's... Sometimes it's something as simple as, you know, the action prompt could be, go like 10 Indigenous TikTok creators because it's going to shake your algorithms up because oftentimes, like mine right now is full of dancing chickens. I don't know why, but that's what I liked a few times and that's what it shows me. So go like Indigenous creators because there are people that are using humor to showcase um, um, Indigenous issues that are great. And you'll see more. And again, you see a 15 second video that may make you think about it later and then maybe act. So it's not a linear, I learned this thing, I act on it. it it's you have to engulf yourself with more um, than the silos that we've created, especially after COVID. We've all been very, very siloed into, you know, there's people blocking each other, not liking each other, vaccinated, not vaccinated, a convoy, not convoy. And in the end, people are still hurting. People are still suffering. And we have a problem in Canada and we have so many problems in Canada. And the, the I, I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot about the doctrine of discovery. And, you know, I know people who are like, just the king needs to eradicate the whole thing. And it's still weird to hear the word, the king, right? And so there's so much to do, but the domino is planting those seeds. What are people doing? You know, like I, I'm going to watch your thing religiously now because I want to know what people's thing is because I, for a long time, was upset I didn't have a thing. My husband's thing is he collects Pez and he likes to like <laughs> drink beer and talk about beer and play ukulele. And I was like, 
I don't want to do any of those things. And being a comedian is more of a job than a thing anymore. And I was like, I don't have a thing. But, you know, what did I do for my actual birthday? I went and watched a documentary with some friends. And then we had a, a discussion about how to better the world. And I guess that's my thing. It doesn't make me the funnest person at parties. But that's my thing. And so that's what I'm going to share. And so I want to see what other people's things are. Because, you know what, even my husband with his pez, it's quite fascinating to think, like why and he's like i don't know i just really liked it and i started doing it and it made me happy and what a great answer something yeah, made you happy like, that's kind of uh, what yeah. we should live our life based on is it's a simple answer but it's a perfect answer well you're yeah. you're welcome with us anytime with our thing because you like to talk to people and just have general discussions it's it's well, i'll send everyone your way i love this yeah it's a great format please do like this is what this is the whole like we we say it all the time but the whole reason this started was literally we sit around and talk to each other. And then I was, I always say I was one of those people that would talk about topics and I'd be like, act like I knew. And then I'm like, wait a minute, I don't know anything. And then I have somebody who's knowledgeable talk back. And like you said, mm -hmm. the best people to talk to are the ones that don't put you down for maybe, maybe you're ignorant on a topic. You think you're right, but you're wrong, but it's just the ones that will listen and walk you through it. And then you're like, oh my goodness, I didn't know that. I still might have my opinion, but I'm a little yeah. less assertive or, you know, assertive on it. And this is, and this, this is such a great way of, you know, again, reconciliation is huge. And it's but you something guys are acting in reconciliation right now. And I want to point that out. You provide a space for a Métis woman to come talk about her publication. So a few people might join. And then that's a little bit of economic. But more so, they'll go and they or something we said might spark them. They read about someone in the thing, follow them, help them out. That's part of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. It is very small actions. Again, if we're all waiting for the huge things to happen, and it shouldn't just happen on September 30th and on June 21st, right? And so every time, if you listen, and by providing and it's called what we call allies by you two providing space right to talk about something like this is being an ally and that's what reconciliation is is okay i can take some of my privilege and i can give some space to other people to share their stories that's amazing thank yeah. you yeah. you're welcome no, this is thank great. you for that well i think we always like to end off our interviews with one final question and you kind of mm -hmm. said like you don't have a thing but then you said you like to watch documentaries and talk so we we're going to ask you along those lines if you had to pick something that isn't your thing that we might be interested that people don't know about you and you feel free to share it what what would that be like your husband um, your hobbies like your husband's pez hobby something like that uh well i'll tell you i have a hobby that i love to go to africa um and uh i lived in a convent for eight weeks um in zambia and i went for five weeks another year and helped them out but what's fascinating about it is the dialogue that happened so my thing was i almost drowned in the zambezi river on an accidental whitewater rafting trip um you know which is sometimes so whitewater rafting will never be my thing and i think bathing wasn't even my thing after that for a little bit it was pretty scary um, but my thing is trying new things. So we actually go on Rogers Daytime, um, Sarah, one of my partners, um, and because uh, she's a do all the things person. And so she, yeah. you know, she took me to my first haunt and I was like, I had to leave the house and I had to do all these things. Right. And so I guess my thing is sometimes learning to have fun because of and bluntly because of my own trauma. And I recognize this when I was a mom, I didn't have fun i don't know how to play i don't know when that went out of me but when i was a mom i mean my kids were high needs and adopted but now as sort of auntie jen i'm just kicking it with the fun right i do the silliest things sometimes i'm walking around the house and i started a marching band with the three-year-old and the dog and no one questions it they're like all right she's getting into her silly so my thing right now is kind of really exploring i don't want to say inner child but is exploring 
the things I may have missed because I, you know, of my own trauma. And I think that's a neat thing too, is that my thing is to discover what my thing is. And I can tell you, it's a lot of not things. I've tried a lot of stuff that, well, I don't know why people knit that hurt my hands. Right. Like, I don't know, but some people are so into it. Like I know someone who started a sheep wool business, right. That's fascinating to me. So, I mean, my, my thing is exploring what my things are not, I guess, and just trying new things. Why not? I'm going to be 50 next year. I wanted to go to a gorilla safari. I know my health would not make it up the trek um, because of the whitewater rafting experience. I had to walk a thousand <laughs> steps in the heat up and I'm like, never again. And um, so, you know, uh, my thing would be wanting to do more and wanting to get better. But yeah, that's my thing is trying new things. <laughs> Before we go, can you can you plug like you were talking about the newsletter and any anything else that you, you can throw out there? Or even maybe if you have some of the you said the TikTok, you had some people that people should check out too to kind of get get the algorithm going um, you know if i was going to give a shout out to anyone besides reconciliation weekly uh you know the newsletter um i would really follow the gotland comedy brand because it covers Gotland's so many comedy. people and janelle niles um and because i feel like um like she does some good stuff on, on tiktok but she also her algorithms will shake up your other algorithms and the people she follows so if you're on tiktok um son of the ray one but just janelle niles gotland and if you figure that out um there so i think i'd give it up to her because in february uh, at the end of this month Gotland, her entire brand made it into the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. Cool. And that's amazing. Like that cool. is, you know, cool. uh, like she just had a documentary done on her. It's on Crave. And I happen to be, there's a clip of me doing comedy. I was like, yeah, come watch my special on Crave. What is about Janelle? So I would highly recommend following her in, you know, Dakota Herbert. And there's, there's so many great indigenous people if you're doing things so i think i would give the credit to them today and for people to follow them i'm pretty boring on tiktok uh, every now and then i do a dance and things like that uh, but um from that level i think there's a lot of fun people to follow out there and for me my big plug is my newsletter right now yeah reconciliation weekly yeah absolutely awesome well thank you so much for coming on the and you know we love we love having we loved having you on and we like encourage everyone to come on we love to hear it well, thank you. you guys are going to have to come for dinner now and, uh, and learn more about Amazing. my crazy life. But yeah, I, I like you guys. This is cool. Good synergy here. Good. Well, thank you so much. Thank, thank you so thank much. You. Oh, thank you so much. Jen Hayward, episode 16. Thank you so much. And Brennan, we will see you back in the snow next week. At least my car is in underground parking, so I won't get that cold burst right away. All right. <laughs> Take care, guys. Bye. So make sure to check us out, whatsyourthingpod.com. Check us out on Instagram, YouTube, follow us on TikTok. Check us out. We're going to have a blast. What's your thing? What's your thing?